Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes. You will notice we have a different lineup to the usual lineup on, J- uh, on a Thursday. I'd like to give JP a wee shout out. JP is actually very sadly attending um, a funeral for his friend today um, who passed away unexpectedly. So, thoughts and prayers with JP and the family and friends of Paul Brody from everybody at Axom and the wider community as well. Today, I am joined by Colin Watt, Amy Canavan, Jared Hill. And we're here to talk about all things Celtic. But let's open it up, Jared, because um, I watched last night's final with interest against my better judgment. And um, I found it very interesting that you have a wee link to one of the goal scorers for Frankfurt who scored in the, the penalty shootout. Tell us a wee bit more about that. No, it's nothing nothing major there, Paul. It's just 
Um, the guy who scored the second penalty for Frankfurt, I think it was Aiden Rustic, is um, friends with my wife's cousin. So met him years ago, like briefly. It would be the typical footballer thing. If you asked them, have they met this person? They'd be like, nah, don't know them. But it's still good to see a guy from my hometown over here in Melbourne, you know, scoring against Rangers in a very important thing in the penalty shootout. And, uh, yeah, winning the, winning the comp. So happy days for that. Yeah, happy days indeed. He played for South Melbourne um, and his ex-club as well, didn't he? Yeah, that's where he came up. And then I think it was about 13, 14 when he moved over to Europe bounced around a bit and then was at Groningen for years and spent on track Frankfurt for the last couple of seasons. So good on him. Yeah, good on him. Indeed. We do have the strap line. What should Celtic's European aspirations be next season? Let us know in the comments field if you're watching on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch or Twitter. Let us know your thoughts on that. Where should we be at this time next year? Where will Celtic be this time in a year? Um, and also, there's a few other questions we're going to ask because Amy and Jared didn't have the opportunity to join us for the 1,000th episode. Colin, this is your third episode of the week. You were here. Yeah, you were here for the 1,000th. I can leave whenever you want. It's all right. Just let me know in the comments if you want, Red. We're not. Season the chat to get rid of Colin. Nah, we're not sick of you, mate. We're not sick of you. Loads of love. Um, What is rights, Colin? Jared, is this the first time we've been on together? Yeah, you and me, first time on together. I've been on with Amy on my podcast before. She's not on here either, so... Yeah, you go first time with, with this gun team, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. I bring a bit of experience to it, like, but um we were talking before we came online how yesterday I was using some of the old episodes to pick up on some of the points that over time seems to have been revised, you know, uh we speak about the reaction to Brennan Rogers leaving, uh, the reaction to Neil Lennon coming in, and of course the reaction to Ange coming to Celtic Park. And it was very interesting to watch it yesterday. I don't know if you had the chance to watch it, but Brian Degnan called it absolutely spot on when it came to Ange Postacoglu. Uh, but I know someone else within this broadcast did the exact same, and that was you, Jared. Um, and you've been proved right. Uh, but even even with the success of this season, are you surprised at just how well he did in his debut season in Scotland? Um, yes and no. Say, he's he's going to say no. He's going to say no. Yeah. He, he yes, knew all along. Uh, yes and no, because... Like, we've all said at the start of the season, like, Ange, his second season is always where the, the massive improvement happens. But as Ange said himself, it was kind of like two seasons in one for him, getting through to the January break, to the winter break, and that was, like, his first season. And then getting the Japanese guys in and O'Reilly, and then off we go, second half of the season. That was pretty much season two to him. So our normal seasons over here is, like, 20, 27 games plus final, so it's like 30-odd games. Mm. Japan, they play in the 35, 36 games. How many games has he played this season at Celtic? It's so pretty much double second. our league over yeah. here, so that's why I'm looking at it going we're further along than I thought we'd be, but at the same time, everywhere he's been, he's a winner and doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, that, that's great to hear, and I'm looking forward to uh, your your own show, printing up the T-shirts uh, for Ange Postecoglou. I'm looking forward to buying one of them as well, Jared. Um, there's some good points coming through on that initial question, uh, where should we be next season? Urban Culture comes in to say, I'd be happy with third in the group, a couple of Europe, uh, Europa League wins. It's the following year that the Urban Culture is looking towards, and that's what we should be building for. I have a hope that Ange could get us to the last 16 of the Champions League in time. Now, Kevin Graham and I spoke about 
one of the seasons that uh, Gordon Strachan did just that. And we were eventually knocked out uh, in the last 16 by AC Milan. It was an extra time goal by Kaka. Colin, are we building towards nights like that? Nights like the season we had, um, the nights that we had in season, rather, 2006-07? I think it's a a bit of a jump to go from where we were over the last couple of years to, um, to go there. But as Jared said, we didn't expect this much this season, so mm-hmm. expectations for next season really can't be tapered because we, we don't really know where we're going to be. Um, I would love to get back to the, the stages of being in the last 16 of the Premier European competitions because it does feel as if you are a, amongst Europeans elite and as the change in the competition comes up, I think it's 2023-24, where basically you go into a 32-team league or something like that, uh, and the top 16 qualify out of it. And that just, for me, it feels as if the, the qualification is going to become more difficult. Whereas if you get a really good run at home in your three games, then there's every chance that you could be playing in the last 16 of that competition. Smaller teams than um, Celtic have certainly proved that. And I'm not saying Celtic's a small team. What I mean is in terms of finances and things like that, we've seen that teams on a lower budget can certainly get there. Um, but for me, I, I kind of agree with Urban. I think if we can get third place and we can actually get a, a sort of last 32, last 16 victory in the competition, a two-legged victory in a European competition for me is massive because it's been that long. Amy, what were you, three or four the last I was time? just going to say, well, I, I've never seen it in my living memory. So, from yeah, like that's the easiest answer for me that, like, yeah, just win a, a two-legged affair because um, I think, it, like say, you're right, I was, uh, yeah, I'd have been three at the time the way my birthday lies, so it's mental. And you think about it, that goalkeeper's now coming back. He was making his debut pretty much for Celtic. I know it wasn't his debut, but it was like his European debut when he came on at Celtic Park and then um, obviously that performance in the new Camp. Mm. He's now coming back to end his career at Hibs next season and we still haven't won a European knockout tie since then. That oh. for me has to be addressed as soon That's as depressing. possible. That's depressing. It is, it is when you think about it like that. Now, in this studio, Amy Canavan, there is a scarf. I can see it in the corner of my eye. And it's a, it's a what kind of scarf is it? It's a Bonnie Regros scarf, believe it or not. Is it? Been, yes, it's in the studio, right, sitting right there. I never uh, put that there, Stuart, Stuart might throw it over at some point if he, if he stops lounging about. And there you go. Uh, just to prove that I'm not lying. But the reason I'm bringing it up is Stuart did tell me about, obviously, you spoke it there at Serlick, Bonnie Regros. Very good. There you go. Um, Stuart told me about how Bonnie Rigros have gone about their business. Now, this is different in terms of the levels, but the point I'm making, and it's the point that Colin touched on there, is that if you go about your business properly, and it's not about throwing wads and wads of cash at it all the time, because that doesn't always work, and it didn't work for Celtic last season, then you can make inroads in European competition. So Bonnie Rigros, completely different level, but the way that they have progressed into the Scottish League hasn't been simply by throwing loads of cash at it, bringing in high-profile management teams and all this kind of stuff. They've done it a different way. They've done it gradually, haven't they? Yeah, complete opposite. Um, you know, we were just trying to, we were trying to work it out last night on our podcast. Um, but to be honest, we're still just a little bit all too hungover to really 
go the ins and outs the that's part. why you're in, that's why you're on on a Thursday this is you just getting over you <laughs> couldn't attend Monday Tuesday yeah, yeah, Wednesday I it was Monday when she woke up today that's the problem <laughs> thanks God good to see you again um, but yeah most of the guys have been there at least five seasons plus and mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a tiny little tinker in each season you know and, it, and it's strengthening it's not just bringing in for the sake of that oh we need to kind of you know perhaps bring in bodies because it'll, it'll look good it'll appease fans or anything like that no it's all about keeping you know, captain's been there eight years. The amount of guys that have been there for six or seven when Robbie first came in, it's unbelievable. And then, as you say, same with the management, Robbie's been and gone and came back into to, to Bonnerig, but they all they all really stayed. And, and it's it, it shows that, like, look, if it can happen at this level, and it, again, I understand what you're saying, it's two completely different models, but when you look at the money, that the, the little money that Bonnerig have compared to East Kilbride, Spartans, um well, both bees as well, to be honest. Um, but you're looking at the money that's pumped in east elsewhere, sorry, in the division. Um, and Bonnerig took it at an absolute canter. Um, it, it does show that it, it can't be done. You know, Berwick Rangers, even East uh, Stirlingshire, the guys that have came down, mm-hmm. they got that parachute, um, which Cows and Beef will now get as well. And I can assure you, I really don't think that Cows and Beef will go right back up um, because there are more clubs like Bonnerig who keep their unity and keep it together and, and that's where yeah the model can work so if it can work at that level obviously like I say I, I understand it's something completely different but um, it has to be yeah it has to be admired to a degree it does there has been one thing though Paul that's been sort of boosting the coffers down at Bonnie Rick Rose this season and it's Is been it? the sales of the Donna Kebab Pie frightening I've still not tried that by the way I think it was a Bonnie Rick that first introduced that well, Probably. we made match of the day before anyone else, so I think you're it claiming is. it. You're claiming it. Aye. What I would say, I brought, I brought up the other day here uh, on on the show that I would love to see Ange Postecoglou developing this side over a period of time. And quite a few commenters came in. I don't disagree with them, to be honest with you, but it saddens me um, because it is the reality that they reckon the three-year cycle probably can't be um, any longer than that. So if you get a player, let's say for argument's sake, a badder. So he's had his breakthrough season this year. If he develops next season and the season after, a player like that will be attracting attention and looking to move. And my point was, like you know, the example Amy's has given there, if you can keep a team together for four or five years with the management structure in place as well, then you will see the real Ange Postecoglou in motion. I mean, that's that season we've just had. I'm still referring to it as this season. Sensational, unbelievable season. But there's no way that's Angie's team. You know, that's not the team that he wants to play. There's certain areas of that team he wants to, to strengthen. Do you think, Jared, it's unrealistic to, to break that cycle, that kind of three-year cycle, and try and keep a team a wee bit longer together? We are talking about it on our pod last night, particularly coming towards Kyogo, like where you were saying, like if an offer comes in for him, of say twenty million, for instance, next this off season or next season, it's the you got to weigh it up and be like, okay, is it the twenty million going to be great in our bank, or is keeping him until it and playing out the rest of his contract to qualify for the Champions League year on year and get that forty million guaranteed? Is that going to be better business for the club? Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet. Not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. 
Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. So it's going to be a similar sort of thing there, Paul, where you're saying about Abada. After three years, do we hang on to him a bit longer or do we move him on? It's going to be a bunch of players at that same sort of from phase one of Ange's team that after two or three seasons might be wanting that next move. Mm. And if they, and then you got to wait, okay, if we sell all of them, how much are we going to bring in? How much are we going to have to spend to replace them? And what's it going to look like on the bottom line? So you got to look at it not just from a purely on the pitch perspective, but also the financial model, especially with financial fair play that you've got to do in Europe potentially and all that sort of stuff. So for me, I'd love them to keep the team together long-term, give give Ange four or five years and just really build it and see how it goes. But the realities are most players want to move, move on after two, three years. Yeah, no, you're right. I've seen a, uh, a quote popping up on the Celtic State of Mind Facebook page yesterday. It's been attributed to John Guidetti. Uh, I've not checked if it's genuine, but it, it sounds genuine because he certainly had designs on himself calling him. We had a guy in John Gadetti who came in all guns blazing, looked like a proper star, comes in on loan. And in this quote, he speaks about being offered a contract halfway through the, the loan deal, uh, to which he said, I'm not signing it. And it was at that point that he fell out of favour with Ronnie Dyla. Mm. I think he had one further uh, contribution against Inter Milan. But his main contribution came before these contract talks. But the quote that I found interesting, and it's gone on what Jarrah's just said there, he says, you know, I don't want to be playing against Ross County. Now, that's disrespectful of any team. But I think players of that ilk and players that you're bringing in and they're using Celtic as a stepping stone will always have that kind of attitude. Or do you think there's a way, i.e. having somebody in charge like Ange Postacoglu, that we can break that cycle and truly build a team that can do something outside of domestic football? I generally do. I do think there is with the sort of aura that Ange brings to the club. Like you take a look at it, and um, someone who um, played last night and scored, Joe Aribo, um, he was between Celtic and Rangers, and it was the pull of Steven Gerrard that took him to Rangers. Mm. Not that he wanted to come and play Ross County or come and play against Hamilton or play against whoever. It was the fact that he was who he was going to be playing under at the time. It was between Steven Gerrard and Neil Lennon. Now, with Ange Postacoglu, it's slightly different because, obviously, in Europe, he was almost unknown before this season. But in the AP market, he's one of the best coaches ever to come out of there. So when you're looking at guys like Kyogo and you're looking like at guys like Maeda and um, Hatati, they understand the aura of working alongside someone like Ange Postacoglu. So when you bring them to 
Celtic and you bring them to Scotland, yes, it's a completely different atmosphere. It's a completely different um, circumstance and they're coming up against these same, these same teams that guys like Gadetti said didn't want to come up against week in, week in and week out. But also with Ange, they're now having that opportunity to play and come up against Europe's elite. Mm. We are qualifying for the Champions League. Yeah. And by the way, if you win the league next season, you'll do the exact same again. So when it comes round to this three-year cycle that you're talking about, as long as we can continue to show progress in Europe and we can continue to sort of nail down your bread and butter in the mm-hmm. league, mm-hmm. then I don't see any reason why we couldn't extend that cycle. I'm not saying you break it completely, but I think there is a way to extend it. Yeah. Because when you think about it, other teams in the league do this to a sort of smaller extent. Teams like Motherwell in January there, who knew that Tony Watt's contract was up, they weighed up what it would cost them to finish in the top six versus the bottom six and then say, right, this is the transfer fee we need to get to ensure that if we don't finish in the top six, this is what we'll recuperate. And Celtic could do that as well. Because you look at it and Jared's saying, if you got an offer for £20 million for Kyogo, you weigh up against what are you going to bring in if you don't finish top of the league? If you don't qualify for the Champions League, you're losing that £40 million in revenue. So whether mm-hmm. you can recuperate that and still give yourself the best chance to qualify, that would be the best goal. And I think in order to do that, you probably would need to extend that cycle a bit further for guys like Abada, who's only, what, 20 now, mm-hmm. um, and the younger ones that are coming through, to say that, look, it's not just a case of we need to sell now, because if we keep this team together, we can almost guarantee that Champions League pot year in and year out, as long as we put the best team in Scotland on that park. See, the thing... Uh... Jared mentioned, Amy, that, you know, getting a bid in for Kyogo at 20 million. It brought back another quote, this time from Jock Steen, a slightly different character to John Gadetti, um, where AC Milan had made a bid of £100,000 for Jimmy Johnston, and Jock Steen's response was, for what game? And that's mm. the kind of thing that I'm talking about with, with Kyogo as well, because another thing that I would consider is the type of player that Ange is buying, Amy, and I'm talking about the, the character, the personality of that individual, and also the market that we are operating in. And that's all down to Ange, because he's got the knowledge of these markets. If we were to say, well, you know, who, where's the, the next Tommy Rogic? Where is he? Um, and who's best place to actually use the, their contacts and find that individual? Or who is the next Kyogo? And then if you find the next Rogic and the next Kyogo, they may have a completely different makeup and um, set of ambitions than someone else coming from other European clubs like Gadetti, who just used us as a, a stepping stone, as did the likes of Dembele and Eduard, etc. But if you know you're, you're tapping into markets that... Ange Postacoglu knows well and has a huge respect in, then you might be able to get these lesser-known talents who will do just as good a job, but who may want to stay at Celtic that wee bit longer. Do you think that's going to be key to extending this this cycle? Oh, 100%. Because that, that's it, isn't it? As, as much as the Ange has the respect and say the Japanese league, the Japanese league then have that respect in Ange Postacoglu. So it works, you know, both ways, uh, to, to be quite honest. So that's that's imperative. Not that... I think it definitely changes now. Even just this season, it'll totally change. The As, as Colin Knightley said, you know, you've got that lucrativeness of now Ange Postacoglu, who everyone knows. You've got that lucrativeness of the Champions League, which is a huge selling point now. And Celtic have to use that to their advantage. And they probably haven't done so in years gone by, probably because they realised that they were never actually going to make the group stages. But the fact that there's not that six 
game kind of wait to get even into it you know that they're ridiculous the many qualifiers that we used to have to go through yeah. um and there's that certainty you've got to use it to your advantage that yeah you will get champions league football and that has to be sold again to you know to yota and to um to carter vickers as well even though they shouldn't have to get sold any other way um but if they needed that extra incentive so everything is kind of shaping up and celtic do for once really just have to yeah Put your head above your par- the parapet, sorry, and use that advantage of, right, and Postacoglu, the market that he is respected in. Just the fact that we've got Champions League football in the bag. You're coming into a winning team with a, a, a winning mentality of a manager. All these things have to add up in favour and, and you've got to, yeah, flaunt them, basically. Mm. I've got to ask this. Over the last couple of days, obviously, there was a, a big match last night. And I just wonder, I'm going to ask you first, Colin, who won Twitter? Was it Chris Sutton or Iona Fife? That's a difficult one. Right up until probably full time last night, I think Iona had it in the bag. But then Chris kind of pulled, just like he pulled the plug back in Manchester, he pulled it once again last night. He's um, he's definitely got the meeting out of his hand. Um, <laughs> and... To be fair to him, I, I don't think I could cope with the amount of comments and notifications that he gets, so he's a better man than me. But yeah, Listen. that was uh, the Iona Fife thing was that was just completely fantastic. The person obviously giving a ridiculous abuse and then him with his head in his hands as he got carted off a plane. That was uh, that was unreal. It was. I can just imagine Chris Sutton sitting in his house, Jared, digging out his old Seville jersey. And thinking, I'm just going to wind them up. I mean, for you, who who won who won the Twitter battle? Was it Iona or Chris? Uh, that was very similar to Colin. It was like thinking, oh, Iona's got it, and then all of a sudden, Sutton's just coming out, <laughs> bang, mic drop. Last minute winner. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, it was it was brilliant. Amy. I'm going to ask you because you are just starting off in your career in uh, broadcast media and um, would you be picking up any tips from Chris Sutton or would you rather not have a flack? Um, Well, that's interesting because I used to, if you asked me a year ago, I'd probably have said no, but I don't know. Probably to my own detriment, I've just started to get a little bit more um, Chris Sutton-esque, but I think, you know, there's times that you've got to be able to have a little bit of fun at the end of the day as well. Um, and I think that, that Sutton does it in an unbelievable manner. I think it maybe wouldn't be quite as, um, yeah, maybe quite as extravagant as him, but the the piece to camera basically replicating the please, please behave, that was, that's gold. That wins the week. I think that's absolutely outstanding. It's the greatest power. Um, and I really, <laughs> I just it just makes me smile. But that was brilliant. And then, aye, the tweet last night, as Colin says, last minute winner, he, he just pulled it out of the bag. But, oh, he'd already started off with the win with the pulling on the shirt and that, that 30 second clip was, um, yeah, Absolutely, Sandum. Do you think he presses tweet and then just switches his phone off and puts it somewhere oh, in the he house? Has to. He has. Uh, to. He must do. Um, there was a wee list of questions on the one thousandth episode, and I, I really am keen to hear all of your thoughts. Colin got a chance to to answer a couple of them. Um, I'm going to ask you first, Amy. Welsh, you're you're on uh, most improved player under Ange Postecoglou, and why? Oh, damn it. Um... I was saying these questions. I was too busy looking at obviously other ones. Who most improved player under Ange Postecoglou? Um, so does that that obviously means it has to be somebody who was here before then? Well, the other night there when I asked this question, I threw Joe Hart into the mix as well. Yeah, that was my initial thought because mm-hmm. you're thinking, so can I go Joe Hart? Yeah, yeah, I'll go Joe Hart then. Um, purely off the basis. <laughs> 
um, I'm just laughing at Colin. But um, I think everywhere the kind the comments that he came from, you know, um, under um, Nuno uh, down at Spurs, and yeah, I watched. I think his maybe four performances. I did used to have a little leniency at Spurs dissipated a long time ago. Um, but I would go for yeah, I would go for um, Joe Hart. If not. I would go for myself, obviously Tony Dalston, but I know he's another question, so that's why I didn't uh, say Tony Dalston. Um, but yeah, going, I'll go back to to Joe Hart purely because of yeah, just the 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 kind of the attitudes that were thrown towards him. And you know, you're, there's a lot right now getting thrown back on. You know, when when City won the league all those years ago, um, and you, you're watching Joe Hart run around, kind of like Neil Lennon esque at um, Easter Road, and you're thinking. Yeah, I was never the biggest Joe Hart fan, more because more a Liverpool fan. Um, but, you know, he, at one time, he was one of the best in, in the Premier League. Um, and if not further afield, I, I don't know, European-wise and, and whatnot. So I think the kind of disrespect that was put on his name was kind of outstanding. And you you look back now and the, the comments are brought up by Nuno, you know, saying that he's, he's too old, too slow. Mm playing out for the back, all these things that he's just shown in absolute abundance um, while at Celtic. So, yeah, where he's came from, um, Joe Hart, and then, yeah, like I say, R- Ralston has to be up there as well, obviously. But of I knew course. that already, so personally, yeah, it's not it's not a shock. Amy, I am going to dig up that comment at some point. I'm not sure when Please it happened. Do. Was yeah. it in around the kind of early John Joe Kenny days? I think days? it has to yeah. be like around the early February time, doesn't it, Colin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think Kenny played and, and Kenny was atrocious and I was just like, right, it has to be Tony Ross. I, I would think say it was, early February. I think it was the, the Rangers game. Just after oh. the Rangers game we need the, the shocker that led to oh, the that's right. Probably yeah. right after, yeah. I'll dig it out. I'll dig it out. Uh, Colin, I think you said Tony Ralston the other night, didn't you? I never actually got asked, no. Um, I, I would say Ralston's certainly up there. Um, Colin says that through gritty teeth. Though. No, generally Ralston's <laughs> up there. Um You've got some other candidates as well. I'd say like Tom Rogic, who a lot of people had written off 18 months ago. Um, we're kind of happy for him to depart the club. But one person that's kind of went under the radar, I think, is Greg Taylor. I think Greg Taylor's went from this player where a lot of people would say, in fact, even when he got his extension earlier on in the season, said he wasn't good enough for the jersey. Mm. Now, at the minute, obviously, we're still looking at extending and, um, and improving that position. But for me, he has come on leaps and bounds and he's not going to be Kieran Tierney he's not going to be that kind of player but he is given 100% every time he puts that jersey on he's adding things to his game as well um, you take a look at the goal in the semi-final mm-hmm. he, he is someone who now looks to be getting forward at the, the best opportunity, he's really suiting that inverted fullback position as well um, and to be fair when you're looking at it, you're, you're now going, we need a really good quality left-back to come in and push uh, Greg Taylor. And you know that you've got that solid backup now, whereas before, probably they'd been on a lot of people's like list of saying, if we get a decent offer for him, we'd let him go. Right. He's someone who's definitely shown that he can be a Celtic player. Well, I was going to ask you that, because if you look at where we are with left-backs at the minute, you have... Liam Scales, who's fallen way out of favour, not making the, the bench and uh, towards the end of the season. Ball and goalie, who won't play for Celtic again. I mean, he was training um, elsewhere, nearer the end of the season. And Montgomery, who'd been out at Aberdeen, 
And going by some of the comments by Aberdeen fans when he was returned to Celtic, they were pretty glad to see him go. So I don't know that if that's worked out that well. He's got a serious injury as well, doesn't he? So yeah, time, I liked yeah. Montgomery. I've got to say, I, I liked him. I thought he was one for the future. But I agree with you, Colin. I think that if you're going to go into the market for a left-back, what invariably is going to happen is you will try and get better than what you've got. Yeah. And then you have Greg Taylor, who has had, I think, an excellent season, um, being that Tony Ralston figure when you've got someone maybe of a higher calibre ahead of you. But it's good for competition when yeah. you've seen what, what Taylor can do. Especially when he's not had that competition. Mm-hmm. As you say, I mean, you look at the guys that's kind of competing for that left-back jersey. Greg Taylor could easily just have slotted in there knowing that there was no one coming through to replace him. Ralston hit this sort of form early season and it questioned whether we were going to, what kind of right-back we were going to bring in to the point where we moved Juranovic to left-back to accommodate the two of them. And it was obviously through Ralston's injury that Juranovic got the run and he went on and nailed the position down. But having that competition, even in training, that's going to get the best out of Tony Ralston. If that's the case, then you only think that Greg Taylor can only get better by bringing someone even better than him into the club as well. I'm just going to ask uh, those tuning in, where do you think the siren is? Is it Dalkeith? Is it Melbourne? Where are you, Where are you, Amy? Are you Bonnyrigg? Or is, are you Dalkeith as well? Or is it Greenock? I'll let you decide. I'll let you decide where the siren always comes through, Colin. I think it's just a sound effect that you put on <laughs> so that everybody thinks you're hard and you come from a rough area. Uh, Jared, what about yourself? Who do you think's most improved under Ange? Um, I think pretty much most of what I was going to say has been touched on here, but yeah, it's got to be, for me, it's Ralston, with special mentions to Rogic, Taylor and Bitton. You have a look at Bitton at the start of the season compared to what he is now and what he did in previous seasons. Improved a lot. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we go with losing those two in the midfield. But, yeah, it um, definitely has to be Ralston considering 12 months ago if he left the club, didn't get that random one-year extension that we all thought it was at the time. None of us mm-hmm. would have batted an eye if him if he had a left or, say, even Bitton was the same as well 12 months ago. So... Yeah, definitely Ralston though for me. Yeah, I agree with that, Jared. But I'm going to ask you now that you brought up Tommy Rogic, uh, what next? What's the chat? I mean, is he coming back to Australia? Has he said that he doesn't want to come back to Australia? No, not coming back here. He's um, openly said that. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Um, The talk a few weeks back was that he wanted to move somewhere closer to home. So... 24-hour travel time from Glasgow back to Melbourne, Sydney, to the East Coast over here. His family is all in Canberra and everything, so he'd probably fly into Sydney and then down to Canberra. So um, there's the Qatar links that we've all heard about. There's There's been rumours lately of a couple of clubs in Germany are looking at him mm-hmm. on a free, but the main one I'm hearing is off to the J-League. Right. It's only a nine-hour flight from Japan back here, and it's technical technical football so he'd fit right in there Jared, where, where, where do you think he'd be best suited because he is a kind of he is a very unique style of player 
you take a look at even his time at Celtic, it was only certain managers that suited to play Tom Rodgick. Uh, I mean, when Neil Lennon came in, it was sometimes a struggle to put him into the system that he wanted to play. When you look at the quality of those leagues, where does Tom Rodgick best fit? I actually reckon Japan would be a good move for him. Qatar, it's too much of a retirement home, so it's too soon for him to go there to collect his uh, oil money. So um, I'd rather him go to Japan or if he was going to go to somewhere, stay in Europe, but a bit closer. Germany would be good for him, but that league's pretty fast-paced. I think maybe Italy would suit him pretty well. That's what I was thinking. I think he would really suit both him and Beaton would suit Italian football down at the I think they would show off very well there. And you look at the likes of um, Henderson when he's went there as well and how he was able to sort of showcase his talents. Aaron Hickey, it does seem to be a place where you can move and you, you can make that transition from Scottish football to Italian football very quickly. Interesting. And obviously Udinese were in for Stephen Wells, so the Scottish market is not uh, out of bounds now for Italian teams. Like you say, Colin, there's been a few successes in there. Before moving on, uh, a few comments coming through. Donnyboy67 with the best avatar ever. Dip the toe next season in the Champions League while still trying to compete with the teams we are drawn against. But at season after, I expect the team to step up to the level required in European games without fear. So yeah, a bit of a longer term project, but progress I guess, is just playing in the Champions League because we didn't get a chance to do that this season. Uh, Gary Oliver, good afternoon to the good guys and girls and breathe. Well, yeah, there was no, there was absolutely no doubt last night of the outcome of that game. Um, and Stevie Kenny, afternoon chap, champs. And that's two trophies for the double because we have two in the bag. Jared has dropped out. Hopefully he comes back in. Um, in a moment or two and we have Sean M96 build a team for Europe and domestic football will take care of itself yes absolutely Um, but there is also um, that balancing act of being able to um, compete both domestically and in Europe which is astonishing and of course to win the premier European trophy Surely it's better than winning the second tier European trophy. I would have thought. Uh, but the Scottish media tells us otherwise in some areas. Now, we've spoken about Tony Ralston, right? I'll come to you first, Colin. Tony Ralston was the guy everybody had written off. Or you just never thought he was ever going to you know, be a star player or be one of the go-to guys this season. Who do you think, if anyone might be next season's Tony Ralston. Now, I don't mean next season's right back. I'm talking maybe a young guy that's been in and out the side who's actually going to uh, be an important part of the squad. Do you see anybody coming through and doing that? Do you know, this is probably going to be a bit from left field. But I think James Forrest... Don't say say Luca Connell. I think James Forrest (laughs) could be that person. Do you think? And a lot of people say that James Forrest already has contributed quite heavily in this team. But when you think of the sort of drop-off, I'd say, mm-hmm. in his form over the last two years, if he can get a really good pre-season and go injury-free, there's every chance that he could have that sort of second buff here at centre, or third buff, or whatever it is that he's had now, mm. um, and sort of have that, the way that we used to write off Scott Brown and then he'd go on and have a great season. I think James Forrest, because he's still young enough, could potentially be that one where a lot of people were saying... When he got that contract there, what was the point? His time was maybe up. It's time for him to prove it. It's an interesting take um, because Tony Ralston had been written off. James Forrest has been written off. What I'll ask you, Colin, 
is in terms of his form, we know that he's had the injuries over the last two seasons, but when he's played, do you think his form's been that bad? I, 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 do, I do not think his suit's been on the left-hand side. He, he, uh, they we're playing him out of position when we play him down there. I was at um, Tanadice the other, the other day and we played him on the left-hand side and I, I felt he was very ineffective because he's really trying to cut back onto his right foot to get the crossover. His left foot's almost as good for standing on at the minute. Um, so if you are going to play him, he does have to be playing down the right-hand side um, where it suits him. The one thing is, and a lot of people will say it, is he feels as if he's lost that yard of pace he had, enough to get past the, the defender. And that is what sort of Forrest had. That was his game, was just kind of knocking it past and running onto it. And if he can get that back, and it's very difficult as you get older to do that, then he is someone that you want to bring in. And for me, when you look at it, the amount of games they're going to be playing next season, having someone like Forrest who could maybe put in 30, 40 appearances, whether that be starting or coming off the bench, and mm. being that sort of danger figure where you're saying, right, we've just played Jota for 60 minutes, he's now coming off, and on comes Forrest. And that defence is going, we're not getting a break here. Whereas when he comes on just now, I don't think there's the same... They're not as fearful of James Forrest as what they would have been with Jota on the park for 60 minutes. And I think that's what he needs to get back to. Well, I'll ask you, Jared, first, around the point Colin made about uh, Forrest, a big part of his game, obviously, is having that burst of pace to get past his man on the wing, so important for a winger. I would suggest that had he lost that, which is a massive part of his game, I'd be surprised that Celtic gave him a three-year deal. Maybe they're looking at him thinking, all you need is a good pre-season under your belt and we can get you back to your best. Um, I think that when he played, like everybody else, he had his off days, but I don't think he was particularly bad this season. I think they had his moments. Um, he, he moved into that same uh, area of his contract that, that uh, Nier Beaton was in and also Tommy Rogic. Julien's in there as well where we have that option to keep him for another year or, or give them an extension or they become a free agent and that's obviously what's happened with Tommy and uh, Nier Beaton but we, we've kept Jamesy Forrest on Jared what's your thoughts on that and uh, the fact that I've got my doubts that he has lost that pace I think there's um, you made a good point about the pre-season as a full pre-season we'll see what happens but I've been saying we need another we need another right winger because he's been hit and miss with injuries the last couple of years. Well, he's got to play on the right. That's the thing. Like as Colin's saying, playing him on the left doesn't work. So it's got to be on the right, which means it's going to be a backup. Maybe it's Jota there. But it's good to have that veteran player, knows the, knows the club, been around for ages. At the end of the day, there's we've had such a you know bunch of veterans move on over the last few years that at his worth, even if he's not doing it every single week on the pitch, it's still worth having that guy around the clubhouse to, you know, show the young guys coming through what it takes to be a professional footballer. Yeah, and at, at that level and at this club. Uh, anyone else do you think, Jared, might be uh, next year's Tony Ralston? I've got a couple of, op- couple of options here. Um, so we've got Scott Robinson coming back from loan. I think mm. he's... Uh, did I just steal yours, Amy? Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you think? Um, I think he's a he's a good good shout for it if he can break into the team. A lot of that will depend on if McCarthy actually does something or is still at the club as well. Um, the other one I'm thinking of, look, there's a couple that are in the B team. So you got 
Dane Murray, Boston Lawwell, well, like those two, they're the two young guys that I'd like to see step up because we do need some centre back depth. Uh, and when I saw Murray earlier in the season, I liked what I saw, but all the talk's been about Lowell, so I'd like to see him get a bit, get a bit of a shot as well. Good reports coming in uh, about both of those players. Murray's uh, captain the the B team quite a bit as well. Amy, you were going to say Robertson. Um, have you seen much of him? He's done very well since he's been out on loan, and I think what he's done is that he's embraced that. He's played something like eighty odd games, which he wouldn't have played if he was at Celtic. Yeah, he was obviously been down at Crew this last season. I think he's definitely twenty to thirty, if not. Um, I think he's he's in that bracket, um, and it's game time, isn't it? Um, and I, and I think that that's crucial. We mention him quite a lot, obviously. We see him out in Cluj. Um, so yeah, that that would definitely be mine. It was um, just Jared there saying the B team, and I thought, my God, I'm the one who's actually seen the B team. I should probably say some um, from there. And I was away trying to think. And I can't for life me think of the name right now, but it will come to me. But um, when. Rose played them. Um, Kenzie Cars in the mid, you really, really impressed. Um, and and again, Dane Murray is one who's obviously kind of made that fleeting um, moves. So I wouldn't be too surprised there. A little bit still, I think, too young. But Rocco Vata really is one for the future. Um, I've been so so impressed by him. Like so so impressed. He plays so far beyond his years. Um, and if for the life of me, I could remember uh, the left back. That would be great, but I can't right now. O two is it O two? No. UNO two. UNO two. It will come to me because he, he never played the first game against Burnley because I think like, he's still even just that young. It will come to me. I've got that many names going around in my head right now. But um, my other non-Celtic, well, yes, yeah, Celtic be still, but non-Celtic, I would um, Brody Patterson. I think could be a little bit. Of a, of a shout um, I, I'd like to see him get given his chance obviously had a decent loan again out at Airdrie um, who um, obviously just came up short in the, in the playoffs but you know we're, we're talking about those kind of positions and I, I think that could be one that I'd like to maybe see plays a little bit in the B he captained um, after Law went off at Rose on the first game of the season and then after that he dropped out pretty quick because he went out on loan um, but yeah similar to Robertson it's all about that game time in a competitive nature and a competitive league and a competitive team um, so yeah I would I, I would like to see uh, Robertson and, and Patterson yeah I think that would be my shout Interesting Colin. I think the thing about Dane Murray is obviously he had that experience coming in at the start of this season but he did get quite a serious injury towards the end of um, the campaign there for the B team so a lot I think of his season next year will be getting back to playing football um, because it, it did look as if it was quite a serious um, it was an ACL injury Amy something along those lines uh, aye, it was, stretched it off yeah aye um, I'm sure so, this player sorry um, yeah. it, it will be kind of a big one for him to, to try and get back in fit a lot of the players that we thought would have maybe made the impression in the B team this year and maybe make that step up this year some of them have done so I think Owen Moffat was one of the top goal scorers and um, the uh, B team this season alongside uh, Johnny Kenny I think Johnny Kenny got quite a few goals you'd like to maybe see what they can do in pre-season but someone who I thought would have went on and kind of made something of himself was Karamoko Dembele and by the looks of things the fact that he's not involved in the squads suggests to me that he's probably gone so he could have been one that could have went in and sort of had this sort of revitalisation under Ange and I think he's probably 
heading out towards the door. It's, it's unfortunate that one, Colin, because I think um, had he not had that ankle injury, you know, Ange would have been the man to turn him round. But we've run out of time with Karim Wilkowski. Yeah. He's his contracts up, and uh, you you might be surprised. You, you know, you, you never know. But I just don't think that uh, the player can afford to lose another season. He needs to play game time. He needs to play first team football, doesn't he? Uh, for the, the the betterment of his own career. Uh, I'm going to come to yourself again, Jared. Angie's best signing this season and why? Jeez, uh, do I go a serious answer here? Or do I just Because, <laughs> okay, my muck and round answer is the Japanese translator. And, <laughs> Didn't uh, he get a medal? Yeah, he got a medal. He's got as many as Tavernier. There you go. <laughs> but my serious answer, his best signing, um, it's kind of tough to be honest with you because there's that many that actually fit in well. Um, yeah, for me, probably would be have to be Kyogo, even though only got realistically got half a season out of him. But very close to Carter Vickers behind that and then mm-hmm. Joe Hart. Yeah, I mean, like you say, the recruitment has been sensational. I think uh, Kyogo, what I said the other day, me was that um, I just felt that he was getting back to that kind of peak. He was getting back to his best, and then the season finishes. And uh, I think we're actually going to see an even better version of Kyogo next season, um, having had the galvanisation effect of working within a successful team, the lengthy pre-season, which is unheard of at Celtic, and he obviously needs it, the, the, the four recruits from the Japanese league and need it uh, and next season it's going to be frightening but who do you think was Angie's best signing this season? Um, Aaron Ramsey um, <laughs> I'm trying to think it's tough it's, it's similar to Jared you could really go through probably quite a few I think because of the merry-go-round I think you asked me this a few weeks ago as well I think because of the merry-go-round of goalkeepers last season I think you'd have to go Joe Hart um, purely because even with Kyogo you know, then there was also Yakimakis, um, and I think there maybe there were maybe options, mm. but I, I think Joe Hart was just yeah to come in and to really stabilise everything. Um, really, that was the most unstable position last season. I think he's came in and worked absolute wonders. Um, and kind of, as I was alluding to earlier, the, the place that he really came from, the confidence that Ange has put in him and the confidence that um, Hart has put in Ange, I think it speaks volumes as well. So I think, yeah, going by just because of how really bad it was last season, I would go for I would go for Joe Hart. Listen, I agree with that. And I, I used the example yesterday, Colin, when talking to Kevin about Gordon Strachan's last 16 um, team, that we had an absolute giant of a goalkeeper and a not very good defence. Mm-hmm. So we had Arthur Boric. We had a defence that could be made up of Mark Wilson or Paul Telford at right back. Left back was Lee Naylor. And your two centre-halves were McManus and um, either Caldwell or O'Day. That mm-hmm. wasn't a great defence, but you had that goalkeeper behind them that you know completely galvanised and, and improved them. And I'm not saying we've got a bad defence this season because I think... Um, Staff Elton Carter Vickers have been excellent. We've already sang the praises of Taylor and Ralston. But to have that goalie uh, like Joe Hart just at the heart of that, I think has been absolutely pivotal. And he gets my vote as well. But what do you think? I think there's there's two aspects to this. I think you've got to look at what he's done on the park and what he's done off the park as well. And I think the fact that he's kind of kept the coaching staff around and got them to buy into his mantra is massive and a massive part of his success. 
and bringing guys in like Anton McElhone, um, who's came in and looked at the sports science of things. When you look at the injuries we were picking up in the first half of the season mm. because of the training regime that he was trying to implement, I think having someone in who understands that and actually, I think when you look at the second half of the season, we managed our injuries far better and actually had a better squad because of that. You see why we went on such a good run after the Christmas break. Um, so bringing guys in behind the scenes was massive. But on the park, I'd have to say Cameron Carter-Vickers is someone who is a very unique defender in the fact that he sets the tone for that whole defence. He's not the quickest, but his, his positioning and his uh, reading of the game is second to none. And you'll very rarely find him out of position. You'll very rarely find him struggling up against a striker. If he gets himself the right side of the ball, and I think the confidence that that installs has brought guys like Starfelt on this season, and it means the the guys playing fullback have been able to slot into that inverted fullback position, knowing that if they get caught out of position, they've got two defenders behind them that are going to bail them out, and it's not as if they're not comfortable playing there. And for me, if you had to put the first name on the team sheet, it would be him, because I just think he he's that sort of the solid defender that I don't think we've had for probably since Van Dyke. The thing about uh, Cat Vickers that I quite like, actually, that's normally because somebody else makes a mistake. He does have an extra gear, though, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. He does step it up a bit, and you're like, he's a lot quicker. He's deceptively quicker uh, because he does stroll about. He's got that look about him that he's got so much time, though, it's due to his own positional awareness. He's always in the right place, therefore, he's never rushed, and then someone might make a mistake. Um, this is quite a good point, and the name is coming up quite a bit in terms of the most improved player under Ange, Carol Starfield. And I think that's a decent shout as well. I think he came on his own. Massive part of that was Carter Vickers. And uh, we've spoken a wee bit about Tommy Rogic. Jared, I'm going to come to you first on this one because this is a difficult one. I think back to the old days where you know, Celtic regularly released DVDs and it was the entertaining footballers that they released them on. And it was like, you know, Lubo had a couple of DVDs uh, released or VHS tapes, as did Larson. Uh, you could fill a compilation tape of finest moments involving Tommy Rogic. But what was his finest moment, Jared? The obvious one's the invincible treble ceiling goal in the Scottish Cup final against Aberdeen. That's the obvious one. But for me, there was the one where we were in the green top with the white pinstripe on it. I think it was against Killy. Mm-hmm. That was that game is the one that stands out to me, just the way he turned the game on its head and... Yeah, got the, the late winner in that one as well. But, yeah, those are going to be the two ones for me. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a special goal. That goal at Rugby Park was unbelievable. Were you, were you at that game, Colin? Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. I mean, in terms of technique, that was astonishing. And then, like you say, the the goal that clinched the invincible treble because of what it meant, the magnitude of it, uh, the occasion of that is just astonishing, the celebration, everything about it. Um, which one would you go for, Colin? It's it's hard not to say the invincible treble just because of how much it meant. Um, but there was some outstanding performances from Tom Rodrick, even as as uh, nearby as this season. That uh, performance at Tanadice where he takes it past three or four defenders, yeah. it just shows you the the classic Tom Rodrick. Um, probably one that I can think back to is uh, his goal in the three two game at Ibrooks, um, where he kind of. 
curls it round the, the goalkeeper and manages to take out the Rangers player in the process. That's a, that's a very fine art that he managed to do that, and um, it's probably one of his better goals. But as you say, there's, there's, it's not as if the guy scored tap-ins. And when he did score tap-ins, it was between his legs. It was reflex. He never, ever just ran on and tapped something in. He was always having to score the spectacular. And sometimes that's what we're going to uh, miss next season, I think, is someone who will just maybe take a shot on from 25 yards. Mm. Because he, he did have the accuracy. It was never really that many times where he would um, launch it and it would go into Rosette. His accuracy was, was pretty high. Um, and I think that's something that when we're looking to replace someone like that, you've got to look at that sort of attribute to their game. We're going to miss him, Amy. We're certainly going to miss Tommy. Um, can you add anything to what the, the guys have said already? Yeah, the guys have highlighted, I think, the, the, the prime ones. Um, I think other than, than what's been said, I just think anything at Pataudry, really. Um, remember the one right on the edge of the box, like kind of the toe poke, but just like an absolute art outside the boot. It was just about everything and everything other than just like a basic strike. Um, but yeah, I just think it really, really always just seemed to go up another gear up at Tordre. Really, really crack if you goes against Motherwell as well. But I think the ones that the guys have pointed out are the, yeah, they're, they're like the invincible trebles. Just, yeah, never seen anything like that. He loved a goal against Rangers as well, didn't he? Uh, Pat O reckons that that siren we heard earlier was from Seville. Whatever would make you think that, Pat? Um, and uh, we've got a beautiful Thursday coming in from Dan S. Wouldn't disagree. Uh, and also Paddy. Paddy Lavery still on it. Don't know what you're celebrating, Paddy. Is it our league win or a combination of both? Um, yeah, Chris Sutton is an absolute legend. Uh, you know what, though? People need to you know, have a bit of humour. Take the crack a wee bit, a wee bit of the banter, and stop getting a wee, stop getting so you know hit up about these things. Uh, Michael Lee, I'm overjoyed today, aren't we all? Fantastic, and Noel Doran to be competitive, turn Celtic Park back into a European fortress, and to reach the latter stages, preferably in the Champions League. That is going to be important to make sure that uh, we use all the advantages we can possibly get. Um, I asked that an interesting one. We're running out of time to go through all of these, but I asked an interest one other night as well, Jared. And it involved looking back to our own European journey back in 2003, the team that got us to the final in Seville. Uh, we were beating it uh, you know, after extra time, 3-2 by Porto. And I asked the question, which of the current crop, which of Ange Postacoglu's team would get into that Seville team? That's a tough one. Uh, probably... Kyogo, that's and maybe Jota. That's about it. And Jota would. No, I'm saying Jota would be off the bench though. He said in the team, he didn't say starting, did he? Oh, no, you're right because the bench is quite weak. <laughs> a, light bulb, a light bulb just went off in Amy's head. I'm looking at that starting lineup, going, I couldn't replace anyone really. The only one, okay, I'm going to do it just just to see the comments go absolutely ballistic. I'm dropping Neil Lennon. So Celtic does come at me, and I'm putting Kel McGregor in. That's oh, it. Oh, good move. Good That's move. The only one. Everything. Any other changes would be guys on the bench. Yeah, because Alan Morrison was asked this question the other night, and he pointed out that other than Jackie McNamara and Sean Maloney, it was a pretty weak bench. Colin, um, what kind of you know what kind of take do you have on Angie's team getting into the Seville? Let's say the Seville squad because we're including the bench here. We, we, we have to kind of point out the obvious one um, and I think that is that Joe Hart comes in for Rudd yeah. Douglas 
Um, Unless Rab's in the room. No, because he's quite Rab, big, Rab. Even Rab's admitted that he's. You see the size of his hands? <laughs> Imagine get a backhander off him. They are scary. Yep. Um, but he has admitted that himself that he would probably um, back out. I hadn't thought about the new Lennon for Callum McGregor, and I think that's that's a smart move. Mm. That I see that I've had that. I actually do have that one written down because I did answer this question. Never answered any of the rest of them, but I did have that. And this isn't anti Neil Lennon, by the way. I just think no, it's you no. know. I think like, it's it's a smart move because when you look at it, Cal McGregor could have offered something sort of box to box, whereas Neil Lennon re- really didn't. But he suited the way that Celtic played football back then. Um, Not a ball player, Celtic, Colin. That's the reason for him. Exactly. The exactly. amount of targets you got up front, someone who can get the ball deep and spray it out to hurt your wingers or your striker, go for it. Makes sense. I, I'm trying to think when I... I think most of the changes would be on the bench. You'd bring in guys like um, Kyogo on the bench, Jota, um, Matt O'Reilly, probably you're looking at Juranovic. Although Juranovic could be potentially one that would come out right back. on the bench. There you go. Carter Vickers on the bench. Carter Vickers yeah, on the bench. Oh, it was, we, yeah, we, it's we, tough we, we did only have, what, five subs, six subs back then? There was quite a few in the final. Um, yeah, it could have been six. I'm, I'm going to ask, though, I'm going to throw this one out there because Alan Morrison mentioned that I agreed. What about the centre-half partnership? Would that be breached? I mean, you've got Valharan and Bobo Baldi. Would Carter Vickers get in there? I mean, if you look at it in hindsight, you'd say you'd replace Caravacas for Baldi just because of what happens in the game. Um, but at the time, I mean, Bobo was outstanding for Celtic in Europe. I mean, he was such a solid figure. And Josel Haran offered that experience of playing for a very strong Belgian team at that time. And um, he also had Mialbi there as well. And th- those three obviously came through very tough tasks on the way to the final. So you would struggle to sort of drop any of them. Um, yeah, I think the Lennon for McGregor is probably the, the best shout. And then you're looking at a, a gap for Juranovic. Maybe a gap was very, very good, but Juranovic had that quality. And who knows if it ever came down to penalties, then you'd certainly stick Juranovic on one over a gap. True. Uh, seven subs, Colin, and the subs were as follows. Magnus Hedman, Jackie McNamara, Ulrich uh, Lawson, Mohamed Silla, Jamie Smith, David Fernandez, Sean Maloney. So the point that Alan was making is from that, you could probably replace them all bar McNamara and Maloney. Um, I think you need to replace them all apart from Maloney. Because if, if, if a gap doesn't play you on the bench... You're not dropping Jackie Mack. Uh, over a gap, probably. Mm. Okay, I'm not telling you, mate. It's your narrative. Just, it's not mine. You, you think back to that game, knowing one of the things that I think did sort of kill us was the pace that Porto had mm. getting in behind. And I think that the one thing about um, Neil, uh, sorry, Martin and Neil's team was there wasn't a lot of pace in there. You'd Petrov doing the sort of box to box with a gat on the wings, but Thompson was never the quickest. Mm-hmm. Sutton was never the quickest Larson was but there wasn't a lot of pace in that team Can I ask you uh, Colin when you look at that that particular side um, John Hartson obviously was missing mm-hmm. would he have played if he was fit? <laughs> got to if, play you go, if, if you go back to that season he was probably having the slightly better season than Sutton so he probably would have played 
Interesting. Right, so that's the first time anyone said Lennon out and Callum McGregor in, so a very good point. One final question before we wrap up for this afternoon, and I'm going to ask you the question, uh, Brennan Rogers or Ange Postacoglu, seeing how you're already talking, Colin, I'll ask you first, I'll leave this one, the final person to contribute will be Jared on this one. So Brennan Rogers or Ange? Nothing's changed since Tuesday, I'll stick with Ange. Stick with Ange. Any reasons why? I just think that his philosophy and the fact that he's had to rebuild and get to the position that he's in whereas as I said on Tuesday Rodgers came in with a team that just needed to find tweak to get to the position that he got himself into um, and as I said on Tuesday there's definitely certain Celtic fans that will never go over the way that uh, Brendan Rodgers left the club and I don't think Ange has it in him to do anything like that so that may come back and bite me but Jared you've, you've seen him before he's not that kind of person surely tell me he isn't please Oh, good. He's, oh, good. No. I was going to ask it as well before I move on from Seville. You ever watched that game back, Colin? I've seen. I've not seen the ninety minutes. I've seen the highlights. It's that it was. Uh, I said ninety minutes, hundred and twenty minutes. It's, it's second. Uh, it is. I'm going to ask you, Amy, Brennan Rogers, or Ange Postecoglou. Ange. Ange. Easy. And that's it. That's it. Ange. Ange. Full stop. That's it. <laughs> and and Jared. I'll complete the hat trick for Ange here then, but <laughs> it's and it's not the Australian thing. It's okay, Rogers technical like the way his team's played, as Colin said, he come in, finishing touches, tweaked the squad. He did that, had some great great moments under him. The way he left the club, disgusting, whatever it's happened. Ange has come in, rebuild a whole team against and trying to against a strong Rangers team, won the league back. And he's also gone and done more, won more leagues in his background than Rogers has as well. So he ticks all those boxes for me. So big Ange all the way. And yeah, I have to say it because, you know, there's 20 something minutes down the road here at South Melbourne. If I don't, I'll kind of, you know, never be allowed in. <laughs> Love it. Listen, it's been an absolute joy to catch up with the threes on our Thursday. Our thoughts go out to JP Mason, who has attended the funeral of his good friend Paul Brody today, um, whose untimely passing came as a shock to all his friends and family. Our thoughts and prayers are with you all. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved uh, in the comment section. It's always an absolute pleasure uh, to engage uh, with all of you, or as many of you as we possibly can. And finally, thank you, Colin, Jared, and Amy, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. 
Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer their home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.